You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Actually, a good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Locked On Browns, as always, with your host, Jeff Lloyd, your team every day for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, guys, you know, whether it is, you know, Alexa, whether it's in the car, play Locked On Browns. Have those things take care of you. Nice and convenient as you buckle up, start the car up, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, we've got a lot here coming. Um, obviously, you know, we, we got to the breakdown of the Zeitler-Vernon trade initially with Pete yesterday. Obviously, a little bit late. You know, as I had mentioned, you know, sometimes real life, you know, jumps into the fold. Uh, our buddy out in L.A., Stephen Thomas, to join us here today. We're going to have another player prospect interview tomorrow. Then we finally start getting to the good stuff. And, you know, we're looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, I think everybody was hoping for a little more action this weekend. Uh, it seems the popular talk is that maybe Antonio Brown and his situation was holding things up. With that put to bed, maybe we'll start to see a little more action. Hopefully, we'll see how that all goes out. Um, first things first, Steve, how's it going? Uh, obviously, you've been a busy man here, and I know you kind of tilted the schedule this year to give yourself a little bit of more availability here during draft season. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a little busy, but good busy, like busy on the home front instead of traveling all over for work. So that's all you know. Anybody out there that uh, you know has a family knows you'd always rather be on the homestead. Uh, the only thing it's been, and I know I'm 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 complaining on deaf ears because there's a lot of Midwestern and East Coast listeners, but the weather out here, we've had rain for like a month straight, which is really unusual for us, and it's depressing. I mean, I. I moved to Southern California, you know, because I wanted the sun 362 days a year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write my congressman. I'm gonna complain. I, I don't know who I'm gonna blame, but maybe Antonio Brown or Drew Rosenhaus's fault. I'm not sure, but uh, the rain has sucked out here. So, good to be back. Better than a snow shovel, Steve. It's better than a yes. snow shovel. <laughs> and it it's always nice sure. to actually see your house with your own two eyes, as opposed to to uh, maybe the family sending you a picture of something at home. Hey, there's exactly. the couch. <laughs> I remember what that looks like. And I see my wife, and I go, oh, yeah, I remember you. Yeah, you're that chick. I know. Yeah, okay. Oh, wait a minute. I'm just not doing coffee for one. We'll make a half a pot? Oh, okay. All right. Perfect. Okay. Yes. Oh, oh, and I'm wrong about something. Now it feels like I'm home. Perfect. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we uh, get into what we're going to get into here, Steve, uh, uh, let's get your thoughts here. Uh, you know, the, the Vernon for Zeitler deal um, for the Browns, it you know, kind of fills... <clears throat> Two, I don't want to say it's a hole, but I mean, obviously, we knew Corbett it was going to trend towards this way. But it's almost, you know, a trade, but it's going to be two positions filled for almost an equal amount of money with Kevin moving on to New York here and going to come live the Jersey life, him and his family. So it's going to be interesting. Um, but, you know, Olivier Vernon brought in, uh, you know, the pressure will be off him to be a truly dominant number one pass rusher, kind of get to play a little bit of second fiddle, and there'll be some cleanup mm-hmm. action. Um, but, you know, and the one I keep describing this, I don't think there's really a bad way to describe this deal. And I don't think at the end of the day, either team's going to be upset about it. No, I mean, obviously, you never like to, you know, lose a player who's playing as well as Kevin Zeitler. And he's a good guy. He's a good locker room guy. He's a good community guy. He's playing, you know, very well. One of the top, you know, what, three, five guards in the league, something like that. You never want to lose a guy like that. But sometimes the things match, the needs match up. Like you said, I mean, from the instant Corbett was drafted, actually, you know, from the instant Zeitler signed the big deal, if we all recall, there were some, you know, pretty loud caterwauling that we quote unquote overpaid a guard. And so everybody started looking at after this season, like next off season, when his uh, his cap, his dead cap changes, 
that they might move on from him. So, but especially since they drafted Corbett, that has been sort of you know the under buzz of the talk about Zeitler. Is he going to replace him after 2019? So, a, a year early, um, you could say. But I mean, he was probably going to be going someplace anyway. And if you could add, like you said, uh, a bookend to Miles Garrett. Um, like Olivier Vernon, I, I don't. You never like losing a guy like Zeitler, but I don't see how anybody can be mad about it. I mean, you can be concerned as long as Corbett plays up to what they think he is, you know. And there's no proof that that's what's going to happen. I mean, if he craters, then there's some some criticism of the deal. But if he's, you know, even 80, 85 percent of uh, of Zeitler, if he's top 15 guard in the league, top 20 guard in the league, then I think it's great because. You know, like you said, Vernon's been the guy uh, as far as pass rush goes, and he's put up some pretty darn good numbers. And those NFC East left tackles that he's been going up against are some of the best in the league, uh, and he's still putting up good numbers. Now he's going to be going against right tackles, um, which, you know, it's not the – it's more important than it used to be, and people are putting more money into it, but it's still the left tackle is where people put their top tackle. And he's going to be facing a lot of one-on-ones. I mean, you know, we've talked yep. about this online over the weekend. Miles is the guy. He's the guy who's going to be, you know, the top left tackle, the running back chips, the tight end chips, the the extra help. Uh, and, uh, you know, Vernon is going to be out there uh, going one-on-one against generally the other team's second best tackle. And then you throw on top of that Larry and whoever they're you know, undoubtedly going to add something else in, in the interior defensive line. I think he could hit, you know, double digit sacks and maybe, you know, 60 hurries and, you know, some real top numbers just because of the opportunity. I think both short term and long term, it's a good thing. It's a good move for the Browns as long as Corbett is what they apparently think he is. That's the key to the whole deal. And if they believe in him, I don't think any of us out here on the outside that aren't in that building every day have any cause to to disagree. Yeah, I, I think the thing with Corbett was is you know everybody thought with this selection at thirty three, okay, left tackle, here we go, he'll be that. Right. Um, maybe it didn't work out. Maybe he could play out there. I mean, guy did not come from a power five school, so there is you know that question of that. But like you right. said, if it's eighty to eighty five percent, and now you're talking maybe you know a twelfth of what you're paying Kevin Zeitler, you know, or, or something to that. You know, it's a watch that you'll live with. Um, you know, right. everybody talks about the Baker stuff, but you assume Baker, you know, the game maybe will slow down a little bit. Um, you know, obviously he's going to have a firmer grasp on what's going on. It's just, you know, the maturation level, all of that stuff. So, it, you know, on paper, it shouldn't be something that concerns you. And Kevin I mean, uh, not Kevin Zeitler, obviously. Austin Corbett played a ton in the preseason last year. And the play picked up as it went on, and he got inside where he was a little bit more comfortable. Um, obviously, you know, if he's going to be a full-time guy, you're going to need a third interior guy, and you're going to need a guy who's going to be able to play center. Or, I mean, there's always the possibility of something happen with Treader. You kick, obviously, Corbett there, and now he'll have the experience of all these reps. You should know the calls, and you would need yet another guard. That's fine. You can address that. There's a lot of ways to address that. Um, but, you know, obviously, Orson Corbett's time here, and look, guys, John Dorsey is a man of ego. There was going to be a way Austin Corbett was going to get into this fold this year. <laughs> oh, and I'm, yeah. You know, and I'm sure it would, you know, as happy as he was with the way the offensive line turned out last year, he probably wanted him on the field. But guys, always, again, injuries are a factor. The Browns started the offensive line of their choosing all 16 games last year. I don't know if you're going to get that luxury two years in a row. It's a nice thing to have, but you can't bank on it. 
Yeah, and we also have to, um, one thing I haven't heard mentioned a lot since this trade went down as far as uh, uh, from the Corbett angle is every all that he played last year, well, not all, but most of what he played last year was in the preseason. And yeah, he struggled at times. He looked like a rookie. But that was the previous offense. All the uh, um, exception and, and that we're giving to the skill players. Oh, look what they did after the change to Freddie Kitchens. Look what they did after Hugo got fired. Look what they did in the you know quote unquote new offense. That's got to apply to the to the to the offensive line as well. So you know we haven't seen Corbett since the change. I mean maybe a few snaps here and there, but I don't remember him playing anything significant after Other Freddie than, took like, over. Third tackle exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. So, tiny sub packages. So you know maybe they looked at him in in Freddie's offense in practice. They again they saw him. We didn't for the most part, and they went. You know what? This fits him much better. He's he's really picking it up. I don't think we're going to lose much. I mean you ha- you'd have to think that's part of the process so us as fans you have to give him that that benefit of the doubt there he was he was a top 33 pick and you know we've got a new offensive coordinator a new offense going in munkins coming in you know i I mean i trust these guys eyes more than i trust my own and we all have our opinions but um if they think he's ready to step in and at least hold the fort i'm all for it because you can never have too many pass rushers too many corners um if you can make the life hell for the opposing team's quarterback, uh, that makes the rest of the game significantly easier on your team. And, of course, there's the key of, guys, if the Browns are going to do record-wise and win-wise what they're supposed to, there'll be a majority of nickel-and-dime situations. Also with right. Vernon, with him playing the right side, he's easily able to go to the left. And Miles Garrett, one of the things we all liked about him as a rookie was that he could line up in the middle and create havoc. So if you got to put two guys on the middle... It's, you know, that's where you can put Avery on the right side, Vernon on the left. It, it starts to open up the possibilities of what you can do with your front four. And obviously, you're going to continue to add to that. But we went heavy on the D-line last night, guys. Um, we got some other things we're going to get here to today. Uh, iTunes rating reviews, guys. Uh, go ahead, drop a five-star. Nice, nice written. Tell everybody how much you love the show. Um, but it helps with the growth of the show, and it's continued to become a factor. And I cannot be more thankful for you guys for doing that. Uh, I guess we'll get with the major domino. Uh, Steve, Antonio Brown, I, I assume if he puts a picture of himself photoshopped into a Raider uniform, <laughs> and the extension is agreed upon, I, I believe this time it is an official. Um, I'll be honest, for Buffalo, a team that looks to, you know, look, he got the quarterback, he got to find some pieces for Josh Allen. I don't know if that was ever going to work anyway. I, I don't even know why Buffalo was entertaining that thought. But now you get to Oakland and the ultimate guy in John Gruden who thinks he can reinvent the wheel and, you know, whether you want to do that with aging veterans, I, whatever, be that, it, be whatever John's motivation it is. He's there. He's getting more money. Um, it hurts Pittsburgh, A, because you're losing Antonio Brown. It hurts Pittsburgh because you're on the hook for some cap here. And so free agent shopping for a wide receiver may not be an option. Granted, it's not a huge group to choose from. Juju Smith-Schuster, we're going to see how you play in a number one role. Uh, there's still the question of, look, uh, Bell's not there, Brown's not there. Who's Ben going to point the finger at if it goes that route? There's a lot going on with Pittsburgh, but you've got to like the fact that things are falling apart for the Ravens, for the Steelers. The Bengals aren't really much of a worry right now. You know, Whatever goes on with these teams only elevates the Browns regardless of what they do. So in that part, you got to be happy about it. Um, but Steve, it's over a third and a fifth to Pittsburgh, which is great because, you know, those picks, yeah, sure. I mean, and the Browns are stoked in the middle rounds too. So that's not going to worry them. They should still be able to do the damage they want to do, but it's over, Steve Antonio Brown. And he's out of our hair. 
Don't have to worry about it. Who's going to match up with them? None of that nonsense. Go enjoy Oakland for one year, then go to Nevada, enjoy your uh, no state income tax, all that great stuff. Uh, Antonio Brown's an Oakland Raider. Let's get on with the rest of it. But your thoughts here. Yeah, uh, I'm going to hold off until Wednesday at 4 p.m. Uh, to be, to be that's, honest. That's a really good point. <laughs> the only but, thing is, with money agreed upon, I think we're okay, but yeah, I get it. You would think so. You would think so. But then we all, you know, we all fired off all of our jokes when the Buffalo thing happened. So, uh, you know. And let's but, just establish yeah. this, guys. Antonio Brown's still really freaking good, regardless oh, of the sure. pity party. But, guys. Sure, yeah. I mean. You know, I mean, we got to see the exact structure of the deal, but it's not like he's 37 years old. He's still got at least, you know, two or three years of top level production. So, you know, from the Raiders standpoint, only getting a guy like that only for a third and a fifth. I I mean, yeah, I think the the contract is a little much, but they've got money to burn, apparently, because they didn't spend it on Khalil Mack. Um, So from their perspective, if Derek Carr is what they think he is or if they move on from him and grab Kyler Murray, um, you know, I mean, it could be an exciting couple of years on offense out there. They got him uh, for nothing, really, for peanuts. From the Steelers' standpoint, they got – as much as they could, I think. I don't think anybody else, after the last couple of weeks, was going to give up a lot. But from the Browns' standpoint, you're absolutely right. I don't care if he's 31 or 38 or 56. That guy has tortured us for years. Anytime you can get that guy that just kills you out of uh, the division so you don't have to see him twice a year, that's a win for us. That's an addition for us by their subtract uh, subtraction. So I'm happy to see him go if it is he is gone. Um, now, personally, I would have rather, if I'm the Raiders, I would have rather spent $22 million a year average or whatever it is on Khalil Mack uh, than $20 million a year on average for Antonio Brown. But it's not my business, and I don't really care. But And they still have three first-round picks. So, I mean, yeah, we can laugh at the Raiders and, and all we want, but we haven't seen what they've done yet. They're, they're set up, if they do it right, uh, and everybody has their opinion on Gruden, they're set up to uh, to really potentially make some inroads here uh, in the next couple of years. Um, as far as him being out of the division, I think it's the best thing that we could have hoped for uh, from this. And the, the Steelers, I mean, some people have brought this up. They they are a smart organization. They uh, Part of the reason we as Browns fans hate them so much, whether some yep. people want to admit it or not, is because... They do smart things, and they do them for decades. They're really good at drafting and developing, especially at the wide receiver position. So, uh, yeah, losing a guy like Antonio Brown, I'm not saying, oh, you just go draft one and he's he gives you what Antonio Brown gives you. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they're not going to be as wobegone as everybody thinks they are until Ben hits the age wall, which could come at any time at his age. But as long as he's still Ben or 90% of Ben, I don't think we can write that. It helps us, but I don't think, you know, oh, the Steelers are done is the way everybody should be thinking. Yeah, and, you know, it, it, it's it's funny because you look at the way the Steelers are doing things and the Chargers, and you look at the Giants, and you look at it because, obviously, you know, the three quarterbacks all drafted, you know, so close. Right. The Chargers and Steelers are still getting it done. Uh, the Giants, it's just not been the case, even though the Giants do have the two Super Bowl rings as well. The thing is, is you know, it's still going on, and, you know, it, the success is still there, whether it was, okay, Antoine, uh, you know, Levine, Le'Veon Bell, you want to stay home? That's fine. James Conner. Came a household name, became a Pro Bowler. Right. Uh, you know they've been able to with other wide receivers. You know obviously they moved on from Artavius Bryant, which really looked like a really really solid move. And now here's another Pittsburgh wide receiver jettisoned off to Oakland. Uh, Antonio Brown, the one thing you're gonna he'll show up. 
<laughs> he'll be there for the 16 games, unlike Martavius Bryant. Um, right. But, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster has already been a, a solid player in two Stud. years. Um, you know, hopefully he'll stop running flag patterns in the freaking mall in the glass doors. If you're the, you know, the Oakland Raiders, that's one thing you're hoping for. Uh, you know, just stop playing. You know, I'm sorry, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Stop. He was open for God's sake. I'll, yeah, I'll yes, he was. yes, he the was. The guy didn't deliver the ball in the mall. That guy, uh, I don't care what his measurables are. His tape is terrible. Yeah, I mean, for a 15 year old sophomore man, get your act together. Come on, now you're throwing out there to pros. You better be able to hit that guy. Um, but yeah, so maybe stop that juju because there's a little bit more on the table for you. But you know, whenever you know the guys you're going to play two times a year can you know find a way to weaken the roster at the time, you're going to take that as a win because you're not going to replace an Antonio Brown with a third or a fifth round pick. Um, tight end is starting to become a topic of conversation here. Um, we had been on this. It seems this front office, um, whatever they're, it seems Seth DeValve is not a major part of what they're doing. Maybe because his name hasn't come up and been mentioned with anything, maybe they have some faith in Seth DeValve. We'll see. But Darren Fells, um, about, he'll be 33 before the draft kicks off. Um, this year, I mean, look, <laughs> It was a fun like storyline, but Darren Fells was really productive. Uh, you know, Pete and I, guys, you know, we kind of dubbed him the name of the playmaker. You called 88's number, he made something happen. Uh, you know, six foot seven. There were times where we joked standing next to Desmond Harrison. You weren't sure which one was the left tackle and which one was actually the tight end. Um, but a solid year here, and you know, obviously three touchdowns in uh, in 17 with the Detroit Lions. Three touchdowns this year with. Um, Obviously, here with Cleveland, you know, when they did Cole's number, he was able to produce. Um, seems like a team like the Jets might have interest. Uh, I believe the cap hit this year is $3.7 million. The Jets have a similar situation if they were looking to acquire him as kind of what he did here this year. Uh, obviously, David Njoku was a second-year player. Fells and him had a nice relationship. Um, you do wonder, guys, John Dorsey kind of mentioning David Njoku. Let's get that run blocking up. So maybe we should have put a little bit more into that because, hey, maybe we're going to focus more on you in that aspect and move on from Fells. The Jets, he could fill that same role. Uh, role. Chris Herndon will be a second-year tight end who showed flashes in the receiving game. Um, so maybe through year two with Parrish, you know, before you get him ready. And, and my, it's kind of funny, Fells going to go monitor another Miami tight end. Um, but they could have interest... Um, I don't know exactly if you were just going to say for a pick, the compensation's not going to wow you, but maybe you just decide you're moving on and you just want more ammunition. Or is there a way to, you know, continue the players' pick swap avenue? But it, it looks at the end of the day that Fells is probably not going to be in the 19 picture, Steve. Yeah, if we assume that this, uh, you know, rumor is true and they're going to move on from them, there's a, there's a few ways you could look at it. You just mentioned uh, a few of them. But yeah, I mean, he was... He was pretty much what we expected last year. A little bit more in the in the passing game, but I mean, you didn't get him to be Gronk. You got him to mentor, to be your second tight end, to block. Which, uh, if I remember right, he blocked a little worse than he had in the past. So a little bit um, down. Yeah, yep. yeah. Like you said, I mean, he's not somebody you're you're like, oh yeah, let's definitely get rid of him. But let's, he's also not somebody that you're going to pull your hair out if they move him. And I I can't imagine the compensation would be a lot. The other the other way to look at it. Um, would be maybe because uh, this is a really good tight end class and there are some tight yeah. ends out there in free agency that maybe they, I mean, they're not supposed to talk to anybody until tomorrow, wink, wink, but maybe they have <laughs> a deal sort of in place for, I know our friend Pete has been banging the Jesse James drum and that would be a nice uh, a pickup. Maybe they have a deal in place for somebody like that and they're targeting a, a mid-round tight end 
you know, a certain burger or I know Dorsey likes Josh Oliver or something like that. So they're being proactive and saying, you know, uh, we've got two more tight ends on our on our radar that we really want. Uh, plus, you know, uh, Njoku. So instead of just cutting him in camp, we're going to try to get. I don't know if you give you know a six round pick or something like that. Uh, you know, or like you, he's involved in another player for player swap. We grab a. I don't even know who the Jets would have that would fit that, you know, roughly that same uh, um, value that we would have to get back. But that could be something. Maybe they grab a, I don't know, maybe they have a guard that we're, you know, a third guard or a fourth guard that we're looking at. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, I'm. if they trade Darren Fells, I'm not going to be up, all that upset. But he's been a decent player while he was here. He had the, he had the butt blockout touchdown, which I'll always remember. Um, against the Bengals, um, I can, I don't know. I can't really. I I would tend to think it's more of the proactive thing that they've got their eye on a, a free agent and one in the draft, and so they're trying to get whatever they can for him at this point, rather than think there's some huge market for Darren Fells at his age, as nice a guy as he is. Yeah, uh, you know, look, fun player, did his job, but uh, you know, draft wise, this is the year of the tight end. Maybe they ran a little bit slower than we had hoped. But still, there is a ton of talent here. And actually, we're going to hit two of your questions here. Um, our good buddy, Jack McMurray, obviously Steve was with them the other day as well. Um, is Darren Fells too valuable to trade away? Thirty-three, Going to be a 33-year-old tight end. Um, more of a blocker than a receiver, even when he did contribute. It, moving on from Darren Fells is going to make or break you, even as much as you know we enjoyed him. And guys, as I always say, He'll be a trivia answer in Cleveland Browns history for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Um, so, Jack, no, I mean, it's it's not going to hurt you too much. And, you know, there's certainly ways you can go ahead and address this. Um, and also here then, I believe this is Azuma Films, AJ220. Um, he's asking tight ends at 49 or round three. Um, Sternberger is obviously one that Steve and I are both very high on. Um, Gilbert from San Jose, State, San Jose State is yet another one. There's... I believe the meat of this tight end class, and if you want to go Hawkinson and Fant, yeah, obviously 17 would be your only option there. But two to four, Steve, you know, rounds two through four, and maybe even a little bit in a five, but those are going to be your guys where, you know, size might be a question, you know, whether it's, a, you know, a Brown out of Texas State, um, Irv Smith Jr. out of Alabama, you know, like the player, would like him to be more size of a tight end. But anywhere from that 49 and obviously the two-thirds to two-fourths, there's that's a, that's a prime position to get somebody who can maybe do the Njoku role, and then there's still the wild card of you know it, will Seth Seth DeValve stay? But this could be another one where it, it's going to be a tough year to trade a tight end because the free agency class looks like there's some names. Obviously, right. Tyler Eifert's another one that Pete keeps bringing up. You know, you look at him in that. You know, it's going to cost you more, but you look at him in that Perriman, that Greg Robinson, possibly the Kevin Johnson of a guy who you know had success but comes with an injury history, it's really a tough year to move a tight end because I don't know you're going to get exact compensation because everybody's like, well, I got draft picks, you know, and nobody's going to draft two to three tight ends. So there's going to be somebody there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like we just said, it's, you know, you're not going to, I mean, if they get any anything beyond a day three pickback, I'll be shocked. Um, but if you're looking at the guys in the draft, yeah, that uh, we've been saying the the tight end class is just crazy deep. Sternberger obviously is, is the dream Josh Oliver, uh, there's word that uh, John Dorsey saw him multiple times live, uh, but then you you know you got Caleb Wilson, you've got uh, Foster Moreau, you got Drew Sample at Washington, you, uh, Dax Raymond at Utah State is really athletic, and then you go a little bit further down the line, you got Elise Mack, who uh, I think 
he was very as a Notre Dame guy. I know he was very underutilized, and he's had his issues. Um, but he's any a guy that any receiver there, any receiver there was underutilized. Oh, the same thing for Boykin. You know, yep. anybody asks why Boykin, you know. So anyway, but, um, you know, you go down to Donald Parham. I mean, you know, C.J. Conrad, people like him, but he's hurt. Uh, Cano Dillon at Oregon is a deep sleeper who's very athletic. I mean, there's a lot of guys, uh, but in that two to four range, I would say Sternberger, Wilson, Oliver, maybe Foster Moreau uh, in there. He's been gaining some steam lately. Um, there's a lot of people that like Zach Gentry uh, out of Michigan. I don't know. We don't know what they're looking for. That That's the thing. But uh, is he too valuable, Darren Fells? No, he's not. But you can't really say, like anything, you can't judge it until you see the return. I mean, if they go sign Jesse James and then draft, you know, Josh Oliver, then, you know, if, if you get a conditional seventh back for Darren Fells, that's a that's an improvement in the tight end room, you know, and that's not a slight against Darren Fells. It's just those guys are better and younger. So, yeah, tight end's going to be interesting, but there's a, there's just a numer, uh, numerous ways that they can go with the free agency and such a deep tight end class. Which is weird because it's, it's normally not this way for the tight end position. So right. it's, it's, it's definitely strange that way. And, and another... as far as, you know, if they bring in a, a, a rookie, if they draft a rookie, <clears throat> you need to give him the same time frame that we've given Najoku tight end is traditionally the slowest developing position on the offense it takes a long time for guys to learn that the nuances of that uh, of that position so if they draft somebody and he doesn't come in and set the world on fire right away give it time don't you know don't bury him like a lot of people tried to bury Najoku after his rookie year he he came on last year and I really think he's going to pop this year so give the tight end time if they draft one yeah and there's a, a, a couple other points here guys um Obviously, Tampa Bay with Monken coming over here, uh, you know, Brate, Howard, they enjoyed a two tight end look and success with both tight ends. So mm-hmm. that's something to keep your eye on here. And maybe part of it is is Fells being a good receiver, but not being, you know, a, a go-to guy. You know, obviously they did a lot with Howard. They did a lot with Brate as well, who's, you know, Brate now, you know, ended up with a good chunk of change. So you're paying a first-round pick, and you're paying Brate a good amount of money. So it, it's certainly... A possibility that they were looking to get yet another guy similar to David Najoku there. If you think about it and you, you watch t- anything Tampa Bay over the last couple of years. Um, another name for me to look out for now is now that he could possibly be a, a fifth-round pick. Um, Isaac Nauta out of Georgia. Love the tape. So if you want to throw out the combine and go by a guy that you just watched the film on and he came away impressed with, and now here's a guy that you know put up pretty good numbers in a small sample size, um, but you can get him day three, maybe even a fifth round, all of a sudden, yeah. I mean, your eyes are going to open up and say, yeah, he's a lot more appealing there. And regardless of whether or not he ran a 4-9, and look, I mean, those numbers were put up against the SEC. If this was an FBS, I mean, an FCS guy or, you know, a guy who played in a non-Power 5, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, maybe drop him off the board, whatever. But there is tape of him, you know, at Georgia playing Alabama. Uh, SEC championship game put up a really, really nice effort against about, 13, 14 guys of that Alabama defense who are going to be pros themselves. So if you can get him at a discounted rate, he does become a lot more appealing in that aspect. Um, guys, whether it's uh, Instagram, whether it's Twitter, uh, the Lockdown NFL Net account um, funnels, like I always tell you, everything from every football show we have. Whether it's the fantasy shows, whether it's the draft shows with Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino and John Ledyard and Trevor Sakama, that stuff's funneled to there. The fantasy shows, like I said, the team-specific shows, the Lockdown NFL podcast itself as a whole, everything from all the hosts, all the shows funneled through both those accounts. So if you're not following on Instagram or Twitter, Lockdown NFL Net, 
go ahead take care of that right now uh steve we do have some questions here um you know from uh you know obviously from everybody um i guess we'll do this one steve i guess we're gonna have to do it and it seems weird Power rank the Golden Girls, uh, guys. We make some jokes here. Um, it's Steve, uh, myself, Ryan Burns, uh, Jared Mueller, and I believe we defined the roles. I figured it was safe with you know obviously with Ryan you know being the lawyer out in L.A. I, I think we were good with Dorothy's born act and always aggravated about the uh, the jokes and the and the everything. So I think we defined that role. I believe it turned out that Jared and Jared's a sweet guy. I believe he took on the role of Rose. Uh, Steve, if you want the straight man, you want the jokes, it was real easy to give Steve, you know, obviously, you know, uh, you know, the Estelle Getty role, which somehow left me with being uh, the loose, wild whore of Blanche. <laughs> Whatever, guys, we have our fun with it. Um, but before we'll get to some more football stuff, and get, this is fun when I have Steve, because you guys put in a show here that I've never even seen, so, uh, but obviously Steve and I, a little bit older in age, which was the crown jewel of the sitcom era. Steve, let's go ahead, you got to power rank these Golden Girls. Oh, well, I mean, Dorothy is the, is the, um, the alpha, right? I mean, I, she's got to be. Thinking, the bookend left tackle almost. Like, she'd be the Joe Thomas of the crew. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, B. Arthur, I mean, how do you, how do you, how is she not, and I always you know, go, the leader, I always how is she not one? Nude pictures of B. Arthur. This way we can plead insanity later. Yeah, well, I mean, she's, <laughs> one of my favorite things she ever said, they were asking her, you know, you've done, uh, comedy, you've done theater, you've done Broadway, you've done this, that, that. Is there anything you haven't done? And she said, and she said, I never did porn. And everybody kind of <laughs> laughed. And she said, because they never asked me. So, I mean, how is that me? not your what's the pay? <laughs> exactly. What's the gig? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, she would be. And then uh, probably, oh, golly. Um, the, the, I, I would put Rose last because you can't count on her for anything uh, except sweetness. Um, and if she's going to cause you more of a headache, then she's going to cause you help. Yeah, and then uh, I think uh, it's a it's a pick 'em uh, between uh, between the other two, between Estelle and uh, and Blanche. I mean, um, I don't know, Mom. She was always there, but she never really did anything, so she'd probably be third. And I mean, you know, who wouldn't want somebody flashy to be your number two? I mean, I, I think that's the way I that's the way I would rank them uh, if we're gonna if we're gonna set down and just do a power ranking of the four Golden Girls. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you start with Dorothy because you, you got to get the job done at the end of the day, and then you know Blanche would be the Blanche would be. Well, let's put it this way: Blanche would be here, Antonio Brown. A lot of nonsense coming on, but but the package NGOs. Yeah. exactly. Oh, that would be even better. Yes, and the package, of course. Um, you know, Sophia. Well, I mean, look, you need somebody to do the dirty work, similar to Carla Tortelli. Somebody coming from Sicily, you know, with those type of things, you know, and God knows what went on back in those days, uh, you know, and you know, somebody quiet, small, and you know, she can squeak out. And nobody's gonna know who did the dirty work. Yeah, she'd come in there. Uh, Rose is, you know, she's the country bumpkin. Uh, you know, Olaf, Minnesota, whatever it is, and you know. Not wise, and you know Cleveland be a good spot for her. You couldn't have her playing in New York. There's no way it'd work out. She <laughs> she wouldn't get on the train. She'd miss the taxis. She'd be lost all over the place. 
Um, but, you know, y you need that team guy, and you know, somebody's going to have to bake the brownies and take care of everybody, and you know, Rose would fill that spot here. I just want to say I can't appreciate how much how much time we're putting into this. This is this is this is going to have is, to become a part of further episodes. It, it's night. an amazing thing that uh, our lives are so good we can waste this amount of time power ranking sitcom characters from thirty years ago. This is awesome. I like it. And the best part is Steve is to have this fountain of misinformation that means nothing and find a way to finally channel it and use it. <laughs> it's all the more better because and uh, guys for anybody that says oh you know as you get older uh, you know the memory you worry about no it's good because obviously it hasn't so we know we've got that whatever the vitamins the doctors are telling us to take they are paying off here in the long run <laughs> paying off in spades well mike uh mike the mizzou fan always comes in with some good questions here and this is one and it's weird because nobody seems to cleveland brown wise want to talk about the quarterback position yes yes that's because of baker mayfield but there's going to be some other guys who are going to wear helmets and be part of that quarterback room is there any QB in this draft class that you would take a flyer on? I'll let you go first, Steve. Not really. I, I mean, I'm in the camp of, you know, first of all, if they roll with just Drew Stanton as the two, I'd be okay with that. Um, but Has anybody think, told Drew this, though? I mean, there could be a possibility he might have to take a snap. I mean, we got to talk to Drew and make sure he's okay with this. Yeah, he's going to ask for a raise. But um, <laughs> Wait, I got to play here's, now? I thought I was here to just coach. Here's, here's, what I, here's how I'm looking at it. If... If Baker goes down for any extended period of time, it doesn't matter uh, who the backup is. Uh, you know, to be honest, I mean, with the famous Tom Moore quote when they asked him why they didn't give uh, Peyton Manning's backup uh, more uh, snaps, and he said, "If 18 goes down, we're effed, and we don't practice effed." And that's, I think, that's the way it, it should be. I mean, if, I mean, a game or two, you could get by with. We've all talked about, you know, uh, uh, Fitz Magic coming in, especially in Munkin's offense, where he did pretty well last year. Um, the price tag there, and you know, I mean, Fitz in the heart of hearts wants to play, right? And right. so that's going to be the tough, tough sell for him. Is hey, you know, and the other thing is, is that's eight to ten million dollars, and we're hoping he never plays. Eight to ten right. million dollars for a guy you never want to take the field. That's going to cause you some gray hairs. Right, and I, we've heard whispers that um, <clears throat> in a in a search for cap space, the Bears might uh, let Chase Daniel go. That would be a guy. But I'll tell you, if, if you want to look at somebody that, uh, you know, I don't know if exciting is the word, but a little more, uh, um, yeah, I, don't, I don't know what um, word I'm looking for. I would look, there's a couple of guys in the AAF right now, maybe you're Garrett Gilbert or Luis Perez, um, that they're playing – Pretty well uh, in the AAF, and obviously it's the AAF. But I mean, those are guys that, if you're looking for a game or two, maybe they give you more uh, than anybody I see in the back end of this quarterback class. Because you're down, you're looking at guy. I know a lot of people have been throwing Gardner Minshew's name around. I don't think he's got the arm strength. Um, I just there's nobody down there in, in beyond you know the first few guys that I really would want coming in if Baker tweaks a knee for a week or two. There's just nobody down there. I'd much rather go the vet route. Um, and these guys, those two guys that I just mentioned, uh, at least they're getting, you know, professional snaps. So if you're looking for somebody in uh, in uh, the, to slide into that two and keep Drew as the three, I would personally rather go that route. Um, I don't know, maybe a David fails, but he's never shown. There's really not much out there. Um, so Gilbert or Luis Perez, if they'd be willing to come in in that, in that role, would be uh, of interest to me uh, as far as backup quarterback. 
Uh, for me, there's two names in the draft, and you know, look, and we keep, yeah, we'll all say this. <laughs> Nobody wants anybody else but six taking a snap, guys. We're right. all in 100%, a thousand percent in agreement in that. Draft-wise, there's two names that do intrigue me. Um, Gardner Minshew, Washington State. Um, if you want to look for something that looks a little bit like Baker, and guys, this is strictly late day three, um, quick release. Uh, he's put up good numbers. Gardner Minshew's a name there. A name that does intrigue me, because I'm not sure where anybody feels about him, and it's just of, you know, the the mesh it would be with Freddie and what's going to be Munkin's influence on this inf- on this offense, which is going to be downfield and vertical. I look at, uh, you know, Jackson out of Buffalo. Um, you know, kid who grew up in Michigan. He's got a big, big-time arm. He's going, he's not going to be the guy where, you know, the dink and dunk is ever going to be his forte in this league. If it's going to get done, it's going to get done down the field. Um, if you watched the combine, you saw Steve Smith, and it was kind of funny looking at Steve Smith who almost needed like a step stool. Hey, kid, don't <laughs> throw it so hard in the contract drill. Don't throw yeah. it so hard. But if you want somebody that's going to fit this type of offense, and even if you want to groom him, you know, because I don't, you know, I don't see anybody labeling him as, you know, a potential starting quarterback in this league. But if you want somebody, and look, again, it would only be for a game or two, but somebody that can kind of make those throws vertically down the field, he's a guy that appeals me. And, you know, the six foot seven, 250, um, athletically, he's probably a little bit better than Baker. Baker, he can run a little bit, and part of it is because he's six foot seven. So if you take four strides, you're picking up nine to 11 yards. He's a big, big dude. That would be one name of interest to me. And if you can address some of this stuff through free agency and trades before we get to the draft and you get to round four or five where you've got two selections and he's just sitting there and nobody's banging the drum the NFL arm there is no doubt about it it's there he would intrigue me just because hey if you want to say look all right we're just gonna you know we'll let the kid go balls out throw it down the field see where the chips fall that's a guy I want to gamble on because I think his arm would translate to the system offensively that they're going to run yeah, he's definitely got all the tools. I mean, you know, he's very similar uh, from what I've seen. And, and admittedly, I've said this before, I've done very little work on the quarterback class. Nice um, not to have to do it. Exactly, just because I don't – it's nice to not care. Um, but from what I have seen, and I, you know, I always read uh, and watch everything uh, guys like Schofield and, and the other quarterback guys put out because they do great work. I've, he's very similar from what I've read in uh, uh, to uh, Josh Allen last year. Um, and so I don't, you know, a guy like that, is he going to, is he going to last until the fifth or the sixth or, or is a quarterback hungry league going to grab him? Or I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, I wouldn't hate it, but again, I'm look, you're looking at it. Like you said, this is a guy that you hope he never sees the field. So I haven't really put a lot of thought into it. Um, I don't know that I, I do agree on, on the arm though. He's got a, he's got an absolute cannon. He's throwing, I mean, he flicks the ball 60 yards down the field. Like, you know, like I pick up a potato chip. So <laughs> uh, yeah, the tools are there. And, you know, as, as everybody always says, he's AFC Northy in those 90 mile an hour, you know, blizzard conditions that we get constantly in Cleveland every year, he'd be able to stand upright or whatever that angle is. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's just, I think for Baker, in his second year, I think another veteran would be a better um, would be a better number two than than putting another rookie back there. But that's just my opinion. And if they decided to go with a late round rookie, it wouldn't really bother me. 
Well, I mean, there is the possibility to Stanton stays and he'll continue his role, <laughs> and hopefully they never have to make the decision of, oh, crap, somebody's going to actually have to play quarterback this week, so they continue with that. Um, this one here, uh, at Coach underscore Billy, and first things first, anybody with a Grateful Dead Abby always works for me. Um, how much better can our rookies really be heading into sec- into the second year? This is a two-parter, but we'll start with this part here. Um, obviously, you know some scheme changes uh, defensively for the rookies. Obviously, um, the rookies on offense, it's you know going to be a little bit more comfortability. You got to play a half the season, kind of in what you're going to be. Obviously, there's going to be some of the influence from Todd here. But uh, go ahead, Steve. The inf- the rookies in year two. Well, yeah, I think it's just you know if you paid attention to this league over. I'm not going to say how many decades, but a lot of decades that we've been alive, pretty much universally, everybody says it really slows down year two. Year one, you're not guessing, but you're operating on instinct a lot of time because it's so much faster than than the college game. And so, you know, that that is very exciting. If you look at how well Baker and Nick Chubb and Denzel Ward played uh, last year, even Jannard Avery, you know, I mean, there was they got a lot of top end contributions from the rookie class. And if it's going to slow down and they're going to get even better, that is, is a really exciting prospect. Now, how much better can, you know, almost a thousand yards and and rookie record for touchdown passes get? I don't know. I mean, you know, by that uh, you know, by that measure, you're looking at Baker throwing for 75 touchdowns and and Chubb running for 3,800 yards, which you know I, I'm not a math major, but that seems a little unrealistic. So ah, I never. <laughs> I did it on Madden on the rookie level. So exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I, you know, I don't know. I mean, if everything goes the way that we are all anticipating, it certainly could go in the next few weeks, a uh, few months between the draft and uh, and free agency, and they add the right pieces in the right spots. I mean, you know, Baker being a top 10, top eight, top six quarterback and Nick Chubb being a top five running back is, I mean, I think it's well within realistic thoughts. So I, you know, I think they can get measurably better, which would be great. Yeah. Uh, I do agree with that. Um, you're going to look for Callaway um, with Antonio Callaway. Yes. What you want is you want more of a 16 game sample size. There were weeks where he was really good. There were weeks where it was, oh, where's Antonio Callaway? Um, so for him, it's just maybe putting it all together. And, and it's great to see because you know, there was a lot of questions when he was drafted. <clears throat> then the incident over the summer caused you some hesitation. But it seems for when they did call his number, you got to see you know what he was capable of and you know capped the season off strong. Week 17 at Baltimore. Um, you can get deep. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, gets a little wiggly in the slot, which you like as well, because look, I, you know, everyone kind of agrees that Jarvis Landry probably will not be here in 2019. So you look for ability to it inside and out. Antonio Callaway does that. Avery here, it's a wild card. Um, we're still not sure. Is there the possibility, you know, first and 10, he'll play some linebacker. And then you figure, you know, nickel dime can he do some pass rushing stuff what are you going to do with that where's he going to be using that vicinity so you know Gennard Avery still brings you a wild card but you like what you've seen to this point uh the man coverage is something you're not thrilled with with him but he did show well at times in zone coverage um for Denzel Ward it's more about health right um Baker Mayfield it's just you know just continuing to grow and you know look I mean nobody wants to admit outside of Cleveland, you know, how good he is. And that's fine. I get it. You know, it's hard to displace a 20-year track record off of a 7, 8-1 uh, season. That's fine. 
That's fine. Right. Um, us here who cover this team and watch this team and follow it like we do, we have zero issues. We're pretty confident in number six and him just getting more comfortable. Obviously, going to get married this year. His life's going to get settled down. The whirlwind of being the number one overall pick, all of that behind him, and now it's just settled down and just being you know, the player that everyone, at least here, thinks you can and will be. Um, the part two to at uh, coach underscore Billy's question Ricardo Lewis, Howard Wilson, uh, I mean, we've said it, guys. It, it's it's a tough road for both of them because, one, well, I mean, Howard Wilson, once you're gone, and it's it's a past regime, obviously, now, and it's two years. Ricardo Lewis, um, with him, it's it, it's a year where it was an 0-16 team, and you were kind of a part of it that, you know, did some good things. And it's, it's Steve, it's just a tough spot for both these guys. Yeah, I mean, they're both, you know, very athletic. I mean, Ricardo Lewis, the neck injury uh, is always cause for concern. Apparently, he's been cleared, so that's good. But, I mean, even before that, he had he had the uh, the athletic profile, but he had issues with the drops. And that's, you know, as we've discussed, that's a big no-no for me as far as a wide receiver. You know, if you have a... If you th- if I throw the ball to you and it hits your hands and then the ground on a fairly regular basis, I- I'm not going to throw it to you much anymore. Um, as far as Howard Wilson, I really, really liked the pick. And he seems like a guy um, that uh, would fit this new, uh, the way offenses are trending, his ball skills. Um, he's very aggressive. Uh, but two years off, even for a young man in tremendous shape, which anybody playing in the NFL is, it's a tough road to hoe. Um, so I, I would love to get something, uh, out of both of them. Obviously you want all of the guys you draft to be contributors. Um, I just, I don't know what to expect, but I think we will find out, um, in OT, probably in OTAs, but at least in camp, I think early in camp, they'll get their chances. Uh, and if they show something, they'll continue to get them. And if they don't, we're in a point now where we have enough talent where we can move on. So I'm rooting for both of them, but I, Complete and total wild cards. Anything you get out of them has got to be seen as an absolute bonus. Yes, and look, um, and it's also to the point here, guys, you just want them both to be healthy. Um, right. Because we're to the point now where if Cleveland moves on for players, they get scooped up. Right. Um, as opposed to, you know, you got cut from Cleveland, uh, you know, the, the old uh, you know, Guns N' Roses lyric, where do we go now? Um, right. But no, you have options. So Howard Wilson, look, we just want to see the guy get a shot here. Uh, you know, two years in the NFL. Never got to do anything good with the injuries. It's, it's terrible for the kid. You feel terrible for him. Right. Um, and obviously, you know, Lewis, uh, you know, showed some special teams ability. Um, could he, you know, there's teams where, yeah, he'll fit in as maybe the fourth and fifth and be able to cover kicks. That wide receiver room here in uh, Berea, it's it's getting, you know, it's a game of getting musical crowded. chairs. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's a game of musical chairs. And for him, it's a really, really tough spot. Right. Uh, one last question here uh, from uh, Dog Pound East Hellhound. Um are we focusing now after the Vernon trade at D tackle at 17 and is it still possible we should target it in free agency? I'll let you go here first, bud. Yeah, I think that's, we're still, thank God it's almost over, but we're still in the last uh, hours of, well, it depends on what they do in free agency. That's still the question. And it just seems to make way too much sense to get at least one guy uh, a defensive tackle in free agency, um, you know, if not somebody via trade. We're still, I still have my eye down on that Gerald McCoy situation. I'm not sure what they're doing down there. I think with Arians coming in, the, the likelihood of them keeping him went up simply because 
I don't think, you know, if they're getting rid of uh, Gerald McCoy, that maybe not full rebuild, but at least a mini rebuild. And I don't know if at his age, if Arians is up for that, but at the cap hit that he's in and everything else, they may be willing to let him go. So I would be uh, still in on that situation. But, you know, you look at a Sheldon Richardson or uh, there's been whispers of Indama can sue or, uh, you know, uh, Timmy Jernigan or Mike Pinnell or. You know, there's a lot. There's just too many guys out there to not at least sign one, so you're not going into the draft needing a, a, a defensive tackle at 17. I would much rather see them grab one or two. Uh, maybe you know, if Corey Littleton goes free, you grab him at linebacker. You grab one of the corners, you know, a Steven Nelson or a um, or a Justin Coleman or somebody like that. So then you're looking at 17 at literally. Whatever. I mean, whoever's there, you can move up if you want, if there's a guy you really, really want. But if, you know, uh, um, Ed Oliver happens to get to 13 or 14, you trade up, you grab him. If uh, Christian Wilkins is there and you like him, you grab him. You could go with, at that point, if you have a really good free agency, you could go with a, a Devin White or a Devin Bush, even though I know both of us don't think linebacker is the play at 17. You could grab a Greedy Williams or, or a Byron Murphy could go offensive tackle. I mean, we just said earlier in this pod the importance of tackle uh, is coming on, and apparently they've been linked to Juan Taylor pretty heavily and Andre Dillard, who, who projects more to the left. But, you know, anything is on the board at 17. If they, if they uh, attack and succeed the next, you know, six to eight days the way we all think that they could. So I don't think we're, you know, we know yet, but I don't think we're laser focused on one position at any point uh, at 17 right now. No, 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 and I agree there. Um, you know, Pinnell and Sheldon for, are probably the two most appealing names. Um, and, and I think, you know, look, you can draft somebody at 17 and say, all right, well, he might be the guy. But I also think you're at the point now where you're getting with the, with the Browns is, you know, even if you're drafting somebody at 17, they might not necessarily have to be a day one starter, which mm-hmm. is great. That is a nice position to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, free agent linebackers, it, it, it's a tough road to sell because – there's always that, well, you know, if you're that great, why didn't your team keep you in? Look, there is the question of, you know, even if it, your scheme is 3-4 or 4-3, usually it comes down to, you know, every team it's one linebacker, maybe two linebackers, and the rest are just part of it. They, you right. know, and, you know, do you view, you know, Joe as, you know, we love Joe to death, and obviously you know, he's the leader of this D. Um, there are guys who... Are a little bit more athletic, and it does if it does. And guys, I will continue with this. It, for me, you can throw me Devin White all you want. I will take Devin Bush ten times out of ten. Um, he showed athletically. He you know throw the forty out of the window. Athletically, Devin Bush is probably the more athletic guy. Now you put into the fact that he is a read and recognition linebacker with a NFL pedigree. Um, the you take um, the fact of the athleticism that he has a faster. Um, 10-yard split than Devin White. Then you put in he is a better jumper than Devin White. For me, it's over. Devin Bush is my number one linebacker in this class. And could it get to the point eventually where Joe, when it comes time to pay Joe money and you need to maybe move on from that money, Devin Bush just, you know, can take over that mic position and you're probably not going to miss a beat. And I do love Joe, but these are going to be the tough decisions that good teams are faced with as things go on. So you know that's the way I'm looking at that. Um, 
But you want to, and as Steve said, I 100% agree, if you can knock some of these needs out of here before we even get to late April, and then it's just to sit back and say, all right, take 16 players because I got 25 on my board and I'd love to sit here and debate eight guys who I'm going to take at 17. Or if I even get into the position of, you want to know what? There's eight to 10 guys I love here at 17. Hey, if I got to slip back to 20 and I can still get one of the guys I have pegged here and it gives me you know, some compensation for the 20 draft and things of that nature, you just want to be able to play the ultimate game, which John enjoys, obviously, guys, as we keep getting picks here. And it's even funny because you know, a lot of people with the, you know, Vernon's not the player, Zeitler is, and da-da-da. Okay, if that's the case... How did the Browns move up 21 selections in the draft by moving Zeitler for Olivier Vernon? So, I mean, as much as you guys want to poo-poo on that, it does tell you here that maybe the Giants themselves maybe viewed Zeitler as the better player in this deal. So there's just so many avenues to go in this, which makes it so much fun. Why Steve does this 365, why you know a lot of us you know do get team-specific and do also get draft specific the whole time it's it's the dance it's the game it's you know whether it's clue monopoly life whatever board game you want to call it you're running an nfl franchise this is the fun of it yeah and that's uh, one thing uh, that we haven't really talked about is with the you know we got two threes two fours and two fives uh coming here if, if you're not going to go linebacker early you know i mean my guy blake cashman has been moving up boards a lot uh lately you could grab him david long is very very athletic and he's just waiting, on a, day just waiting on a pro day yep exactly so there's a lot of different ways you could go uh that the the meat of this draft the, there's tremendous value there but the other thing that you could do and i've been thinking about this since yesterday um it's possible anyway because we still think adding 10 rookies to this roster just doesn't seem like you know the way that John Dorsey would go one he could still make some more trades for those picks for veterans but also you could use those extra thirds fourths and fifths to package and move up from 49 or 80 or 95 if you wanted to and then you're talking about four guys in the top 75 ish plus you still have a third a fourth and a fifth you know, so they're in a position now where if they wanted to, they could, I mean, they could really crush some things because, you know, like you said, if they take the next week via either trade or the first wave of free agency and they grab a Sheldon Richardson um, and uh, a Steven Nelson and then, you know, you throw you in Honey You teasing me with that Steven Nelson one. Oh, man, you throw me, you throw me Nelson, uh, uh, Sheldon Richardson, and Honey Badger, I'll be naked for a week, man. I mean, it's just, it's that's a win right there. My thing know, with Steven Nelson, and if you guys remember last year, which Irie Alexander is, you want that guy. And look, you know, Jabril talks a little bit. Demarius Randall talks a little bit. Nobody and I mean nobody, Steven Nelson runs from the first snap of the game to the end of the game. This guy runs his mouth. And yeah. look, if you're going to be good, and you're going to be good, really good, and like winning your division good, yeah, you want somebody on that defense who's going to tell you how you were in their ass all day long. Yeah, I, I, there's just so many ways they could go, which is such a great problem to have, and it's something we're not <clears throat> we're not used to around here. We're used to having to desperately hope we get this one guy in free agency and we're going to have to wildly overpay for him that's not the way it is this year they could nope. i mean they could go with i mean he's shown a propensity with you know greg robinson and, and brashad perryman to try and find some 
you know, gems off of the so-called scrap heap. So, you know, maybe a Stefan Anthony, who's very athletic and had just disappeared after his rookie year. Or, you know, if you want to go deep on the defensive line, Mario Edwards or somebody like that. You know, I mean, that's not the number one guy you target. But if you grab him to be a rotate, maybe you, you find lightning in a bottle again, like you did with Robinson and Perriman. There's just there's tons and tons of ways they could go. And we haven't even touched on what they're going to do at kicker. So, I mean, you know, let's say they don't get Steven Nelson. Like I said, Justin Coleman's apparently going to be out there. We don't know what the Bears are going to do with Bryce Callahan. I like Bashad Breland in Green Bay. You got Darquez Denard in uh, Cincinnati, who's a solid. I mean, these are not guys that are going to instantly change a franchise, but they're good football players who, if you sign them, you're going to go, oh, okay, I like that yeah i like that guy he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna add something he's gonna make a couple plays for us this year there's there's a million guys out there that they could go for that will improve this football team and they were barely out of the playoffs last year so if the improvement that we talked about you know 10 minutes ago with baker and and you know the the top of the line franchise guys happens and miles garrett only 23 years old comes in and improves even more i mean you're easily looking at next year's first year pick first round pick being 25 or higher it's it's a very exciting time i'm really curious to see i mean we're sitting here at march 10th at you know noon pacific time as soon as three days from now but at least a week from now after the first initial waves uh from in free agency i'm very excited to see how different it's going to be because there's some really scintillating possibilities that are just right within our grasp for the first time in a long time in cleveland and th- that's what you're looking for here. You put yourself in such a great position here where you have everybody on the roster in the building who's going to stay feel a million times better about themselves and the future of this franchise. And you have still the cap assets. You have currently right now 10 draft selections. And, you know, uh, again, I don't know if you draft 10 rookies are going to make this team. I mean, you can do all the fun mock drafts, whether it's on FanSpeak or over at Draft right. Network. And, but you're still going to get to those guys after the fifth round where it's, oh, my God. I mean, unless something goes wrong. You know, I don't see how this guy makes the team. Right. And it's just, it, it's it's a fun game of chess to play right now. That's Steve. maybe where you go for a guy, if I could just throw one yep. more thing in, um, uh, uh, in the sixth round. Let's say yeah, they keep them all, and it goes like you said. Um, oh, gosh, the kid from uh, uh, Felton Davis from uh, Michigan State. This is a move the Patriots have made a lot in the past decade or so. This is, you know, it, let's say they keep all 10 picks. And you're in that situation where it's the fifth, late fifth round, the sixth round, the seventh round, and you're like, there's no way this guy's going to make the roster. You go for a Felton Davis who's coming off an injury, or you grab an Alex Bars who's coming off the knee at guard uh, you know, from Notre Dame, and you stash him on the injured reserve for a year. Now it's like getting an extra draft pick in 2020 yep. for basically nothing. So that's that's where you take shots at those kind of injury guys because uh, it doesn't cost you much, and if it pays off, you look like a genius. So – it's uh, God, I'm so excited. Now talking about it again, I'm all fired up again. I might have to take off my pants and run around the house. So, Guys, first things first, there's the issue. Steven's convinced you that he probably has pants on right now, which is probably, <laughs> I'm going to say, 30-70 at best. Steve, before we put a bow on this sucker, is there anything we missed here? Because, man, I tell you what, as much as we have fun with it, we do hit a lot of ground. I think the only thing we, we even didn't really touch on would be maybe some uh, free agent wide receivers and, you know, outside of uh, Tyrell Williams or uh, uh, maybe gotta a John. St- you got to John- stop with the Tyrell Williams people. You're killing me. I would rather pay Perim in the money, which is not going to be the same. And, guys, this is one thing I keep telling you. Look at Tyrell Williams' snap count and look at uh, what Perriman was. 
400 more snaps for Tyrell for 41, 600 and change. And you look at Perriman. And then the other thing, it, you know, the money is obviously an aspect there. <clears throat> I just I don't know if the rub is there. And the one thing we always say about Baker is what does Baker work with? Guys who can run a solid route tree and get open. Tyrell Williams seems to be a one-trick pony. I just unless the numbers are going to end up nowhere near what they're rumored to be, eight to ten million, no for Tyrell Williams. And the other thing is, Tyrell Williams' best season in the NFL was 2016, and a great year, 60-something catches, over a thousand yards, around eight touchdowns. And then the uh, well, they still were the San Diego Chargers. Then what did they do four months later? They spent the sixth overall pick on Mike Williams. So sometimes I'm going to view what a player's worth is by the team where he's played with felt about him. His best season ever, four months later, they took Mike Williams with a neck injury. And you know, obviously he had had it his final year at Clemson where he had dispelled those myths. And I had given him a lot of grief early that year. But he ended up putting together a good year. But they saw Tyrell Williams, the best of him. And then four months later took Mike Williams at the sixth overall pick. It's just not a guy I can jive with unless the money comes down. And I would agree with you, but I mean, it keeps getting mentioned, so we have to talk about it. Um, and his and best game, and if you take away what he did to the Browns, then his season not nearly as pretty. Then you're talking 38 receptions. Uh, I guess it's four touchdowns. It's 400. It's high. It's like 499, somewhere in that range. So if you take his one game against the Browns out of there, he pretty much did what every Brown receiver did last year. I would much rather go five to six million for a John Brown myself because I think his skill set meshes with Baker's uh, runs a little bit more of a route tree. placement. Yeah, and runs and a little bit more after of a the route catch. Yes. Maybe even uh, uh, Philip Dorsett. You know, that another. You know, uh, I don't. He's not quite reclamation, but I mean, somebody that you know hasn't lived up to the draft uh, uh, spot, or you know, even. And, and Jamie, I'm not, Jamison I'm not, Crowder still one I go to can run a route tree. The success, guys. the success hasn't been there recently, and it was an injury, but it wasn't a leg, guys. It was upper body. So but that I gives don't you, think they have to go wide receiver. I think nope. that's the key. These are all guys that if the Perriman you know, situation works out, then all of a right. sudden it's not a huge, huge demand. It's do you like somebody in the draft? Then go ahead and take them. Yeah, I mean, you could even make a case for you know if he, if he gets released, which seems inevitable, you know, get the right money to bring in a Deshaun Jackson on a short contract because I mean he's not the Deshaun Jackson he was five years ago, but he's still pretty darn good. And again, with Baker's skill set, you know, I think it matches up pretty well if you can get him on the right money. But you know, between what they have and the the draft class, the wide receiver draft class, I don't think. That they have to go out and get a Tyrell, you know, Williams or a John Brown or an Adam Humphreys or you know whoever it is. If they if they swing and miss and they stick to their guns with the money and the wide receiver market, and they they go in just drafting a guy, I think that's I think that's okay. I think that's fine. You know, especially like you said with the progression we're hoping to see from Antonio Callaway, who I'm really excited about. Exactly. You know, a, a step up for him if the Higgins things ends up where he stays. You know, you figure over sixteen game period, he's going to be more of a producer. There's still a Najoku. Um, so it, it's, you know, what didn't get done, maybe some of that is in-house. Um, you, you know, for me, I'd still like the Perriman thing to work out. Um, but, you know, as we mentioned earlier, there's that name, Drew Rosenhaus, which is, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Drew, Drew Rosenhaus, if you want to describe him as an agent, you want it, you would describe him as an ex-wife. It's continuously a pain in the ass. The phone calls, everything with him involves more money. More money, more money, more money. This is the way the guy is. It's 
it's you know it's it's you know you ended up marrying somebody that you knew was going to be trouble but now somehow she pumped out a kid and you're stuck with her for freaking 18 to 20 years drew Roy's in a house you know you're sleeping with the sleeping with the devil in that one guys um but we guys we covered well over an hour here uh you know you're never going to get anything short here with me and Steven. It's just the way it works. <laughs> but I'm glad you guys will enjoy it. And I know you guys will. Uh, we always do, uh, you know, we always have a good time together here. Um, everything over at Brown's Mock Draft. I'm sure Steve's going to get that up here in a little bit here. So, you know, obviously Stephen Thomas over at uh, Brown's Mock Draft. You're going to, you know, get another one here today, another scenario. And I'm sure a name or two. And it's funny because when he does a pod, a name or two that comes up usually finds its way into Steve's daily work over there at Fanspeak. Usually. It's it's fun. That's why we do what we do here. Um the Locked On Browns podcast on Twitter. Uh, you make sure you're following me at Locked On Browns. Um, the iTunes rating reviews, guys. As always, please keep those coming. Um, you know, it just continues here, and like everybody's getting more and more into. Yeah, not necessarily the show, but the team and the product here. And you have a guy like Matt Miller going on a radio show yesterday and saying the Cleveland Browns are going to win the AFC North in 2019 which it's nice to hear the bigger people in football media starting to say these things because, you know, if we say it, it's still the, oh, look at the Browns fans flexing their muscles because they went 7, 8, and 1. Da, 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 da. No, the product's good, and we're pretty confident in it, and especially with what's going to go on this offseason. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, uh, you know, send a follow over there. Guys, like I said, anything, questions you have, always DM the Lockdown Browns account. Um, you know, anything even, you know, because some of you guys don't want to put stuff out on the timeline, and I get it. We're starting to get to the point where trolls coming and involved, whatever. Send a DM over there. We're always glad to answer it here, guys. It's been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Brown.